Jesus, we just thank you so much for meeting us in this space. Students, with your, with your hands open and just spread high to the sky one last time. Father, we just pray a blessing over each and every one of these students with their hands open. God, we just pray that you would move in their hearts and in their lives, that tonight would not be another night at youth. It would not be another night at church. It would not be another night out at an event, but instead it would be a, a night where they encounter a living God and are changed and never the same. God, we, we, we just ask that the, the prayers we spoke boldly over our schools this morning would go, go God, we just want to, we want to make a difference. So would you, would you honor our humble request to move in our land? Would you bless these students tonight? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, guys. Can we give it up for that band? All right. You find your way to your seats. I have the honor and pleasure of inviting of inviting Pastor Jeff Grinnell up here to the stage. Jeff has been an amazing influence in my life as a youth minister and he's got this one. It's okay. Jeff's been an amazing influence in my life as a youth minister and just continues to do things amazing throughout the country for different youth pastors and youth leaders. He's going to speak a word that he has specifically prepared just for you guys, so we are excited about it. I want to also just mention the, the folks sitting behind me right now. These are our, what do we call them? Student leaders, yes, but trendsetters. There are trendsetters right now because they're setting the trend of bringing your Bible and taking notes in service. We want to see all of you students doing this because it is so important that we're active listeners of the word and we're not just trying to soak it up as much as we can without writing it down. You soak it up all day at school and you don't take notes at school and then you fail the test. So when we're at church, let's take some notes and maybe we can pass those life tests just a little bit more often. But without further ado, I wanna invite Pastor Jeff up here to the stage. Would you give him a warm welcome? Thank you, love this. Dude, I'm, I'm loving this. Dude, hey, how many note takers we got in here? How many note takers in here? We got in here, cause y'all know note takers go to heaven. Yeah, well, I don't, know if, I don't know if that's true or not, but anyway, dude, I want to talk to you about a conversation in Scripture that defined the kingdom of God and Christianity in specific. How many of you have ever heard, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, say it with me, begotten son, that whoever should not perish, but how many know where that's found? John 3.16, right? Y'all knew that one. Yeah, yeah, because you're taking notes. John 3.16. This is uh, probably one of the most familiar scriptures that we see in culture. And what's wild is people will put it on their eye black if they're football players, on their shoes if they're baseball players or basketball players, tattoos, right, 
You see him in the stands with the big sign, John 3, 16. Maybe some of you never even knew what that meant. I'm going to tell you about that tonight because it is, I believe, the center of humankind. I want you to think about something. I want you to think about the cross tonight. And I want you to think about how people will put the cross in their ears or put it around their neck or have it on their car or in the backyard or on the door. Right? People get all kinds of, put the, the cross in all kinds of settings and situations because the cross is prominent. It means something. All of history looked forward to the cross. All of the future looks back at the cross. All of hell looks up at the cross. And all of heaven looks down at the cross. Amen? Hey, y'all are talkers, right? You can talk to me a little bit. It's all right. Think about that. All of eternity looked forward to the cross. Everybody that came before you was looking at the cross because the cross is the center of human history. All of the future looks back at the cross. All of hell looks up at the cross. And all of heaven looks down at the cross because the cross is the center of humankind and human history. And when we look at this text that I'm going to read to you in just a minute, we find ourselves set within this text. There's a dude named Nicodemus. Anybody ever, ever heard the name Nicodemus? Nicodemus was one of the ruling leaders of Israel. He was on what was called the Sanhedrin Council. Now stay with me. You'll see why I'm telling you this. Nicodemus was him. Nicodemus was it. If, if, you, if you were to have reached the pinnacle in first century society, Nicodemus was the, he would, you would want to be like Nicodemus. That's how great Nicodemus was. But hear me, he had to go through a life change, and we're going to read his story. He had to go through a life change that you and me have to go through also. Somebody say amen. Because hear me, it ain't just about the team that you play on or the school that you go to or the family, your, your family name. It doesn't matter if your family is rich or poor, if you're right-handed or left-handed, if you got long hair or short hair. It doesn't matter if you're in middle school or high school or if you're a leader in the room. All of us find ourselves at center, listen, center ground, equal ground before the cross. Maybe, you're, maybe you've got an addiction in this room. Maybe you can't stop with drugs or alcohol or pornography, or maybe you, you can't stop cussing, or you've got issues going on. In your, I, I get that. I've been there. But hear me. It doesn't matter if you're struggling with your identity. It doesn't matter if you are dealing with lust. It doesn't matter if you have already lost your virginity. It doesn't matter if you're disobedient to your parents and you're breaking the Ten Commandments. It doesn't matter. All of us in this room are living at level ground. I like to call it ground zero. Because you know what? God visits ground zero every single day. Somebody say amen. God loves that center ground, that ground zero, that even ground. All, hear me, all of us stand tonight 
before the cross on level ground. You know what happened with Nicodemus was, and again, we're going to read the story, but I want to give you, tell you who he was. This guy was voted, was placed on with the, one of the most important councils. That, he would be like a president. He would be like a senator or a congressman or, or, or like a governor or something. That's how high up he was. And yet he was watching Jesus. He was watching Jesus, and he was intrigued. Just like some of you. Maybe you've heard about Jesus. Maybe, you, maybe you've been in the church for a long time, and you've, and you've been following Jesus. Or, or, or maybe you served him at one time, but you're not now. Nicodemus is the perfect example for all of us in the room. I want to pick it up in the story in John chapter 3. Will you go there? Look at John chapter 3. I love this text because it's simple, it's popular, and it works. John chapter 3. The story picks up in verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Now think about that. First of all, this is a rich man. This is a popular man. And the man comes at night. Why do you think the man came at night? Right? Why do you think this very important man comes to find Jesus at night? Well, let me tell you why I think. I think the reason why Nicodemus came at night is the same reason why you and me have a hard time serving God publicly. Mm. Everybody say, mm. Hear me, hear me. Jesus did not die on a cross publicly for me to serve him privately. Somebody hear that? That'd be a great, I would write that down. Jesus Christ did not die on a cross publicly for me to serve him privately. You can't get away with that. You can't be like, yeah, okay, hey, ho, everybody, hey, on Sunday or Wednesday night, but not serve him on Thursday or, or Monday. Right? Jesus Christ was not crucified in the corner of some city back in the alley. Jesus Christ was crucified on a hill in front of everyone to see. As a matter of fact, they paraded him through the city first. Everybody knew what was going on that day. But that's at the end of the story. Jesus Christ did not die on a cross publicly for me to serve him privately. And so Nicodemus, this religious man, this very important man, on the main council of churches, comes to Jesus because he'd been watching him, and he comes to him at night. And he asks him, listen, we haven't seen anybody like this before. We know that you're special. We know that you're a teacher because nobody can do these things unless God is with him. Jesus answered and he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless someone is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, what Jesus recognized was Nicodemus wanted some power too. Nicodemus wanted to be somebody significant. And Nicodemus wanted the power that Jesus had. That's why he came to him. He said, man, we've been watching you. Tell me, come on, what is it? Is it your, is it your breakfast cereal? 
Um, is it like a power bar? Is it like your haircut? You know, is it that robe? Because that robe is sick. I love your sandals. You know, those, those Yeezys for Jesus or something. I don't know. Listen, he was trying to get a secret. Listen to me. Nicodemus was trying to get a secret of the power of God. And what does Jesus do? He gives him the simple little answer. If you want power, you must be born again. And that flips the guy out. Born again. Oh, hey, hold it. Uh, I was born once. I'm like 30, okay? You mean you want me to like crawl my mother's womb again and I go through that? You want me to go through that again, come out crying and look at a man? I'm not going to do that. Right? Look, Look what happens. Follow the story. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus, shrugging, right, his shoulders, it doesn't say that, but most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on and he gives him this incredible story of how to have power. Look at me. If you're in this room and you know Christ, you have all the power you need. If you've been born again, and you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You have all the power you need. You don't need, you don't need, it's not about which table you sit at in the cafeteria. It's not about what labels on the back of your t-shirt or what cut you have or the language you use. That's not, that doesn't give you power. What gives you power is being born again and being a man, a young man or a young woman filled with the Spirit. That gives you power. Hello? What sets you apart is not your, is not your cut. It's not your language. It's not your last name. It's not the school you go to or the team you're on. That's not what sets you apart. What sets you apart is that you are born again and you are filled with the Spirit of God. And that's what he was telling him. And so Nicodemus is like, How? I, don't, I don't get it. Look at, look at that. Verse 9, Nicodemus says to him, right, shrugging his shoulder, I'm not, I'm not following you. And Je- this is what Jesus says. Now we're going to get into the most important part of this text. Because now you're going to find out where John 3.16 came from. So this religious leader shows up at night. Because he didn't want anybody else to see that he was going there. Oh yeah, listen to me. He was religious, like many of you in the room. Nicodemus was religious. He, he served on the councils. He would walk through town and they'd be like, yeah, that's the pastor right there, right? Here he is. Waiting till the sun goes down, right? He said, okay, all right, there it goes, man. Dust, right, everybody's going into the bed. Right, then he's sneaking around, right? He finds a way. There's a path. He goes down this, this street. He comes in the back alley, and he knocks on the door of Jesus, and he's thinking, nobody can see me. I'm all good, right? And he starts the conversation. And then Jesus tells him this. Do you remember back in the Old Testament? Do you remember back in the Old Testament And of course he does because he's a man of the Old Testament. He says what Israel did when they got bit by the snakes and the serpents, the only way that they could recover from those snake bites was to take those snakes and to stick them on a pole, look at me, to stick them on a pole and to raise that pole up in the middle of Israel with the snake, the dead snake hanging on it. And that would show that they had victory over the serpents. It's kind of what we do, right? You know, when you 
shoot something if you're, if you're a hunter or you catch something if you're a fish and you take the fish and you're like, you hold it up, yeah, and you get to snap a picture of it because if we didn't get a picture, it didn't happen. Or you, you, you kill a rabbit, you're out rabbit hunting, right, and you grab, put that, pull the thing over the air, hey, look at that, you know. And there's just something about that. And so what they did in the Old Testament when they were bitten by the snakes that, that had come into their, into their camp, they would kill those snakes and they would raise them up on a pole. Everybody say pole. They would raise them up on a pole, and that would signify that they had victory over the poison of that snake. Somebody following me? So Jesus tells them the story, and then Jesus says this. Look what he says to them. This powerful phrase. And Moses, look at verse 16. I'm sorry, verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, Nicodemus! Your question is not about your cut or, or your label or you're sitting at the right table or your team or your last name. That's not what it's about. It's about being born again and being filled with the Spirit. And he said, in the same way, you read the stories about all the people who were bit by those snakes. He's nodding his head, following Jesus along with the story. And he said, in the same way, are you following me? That's a powerful phrase. In the same way, I must be, the Son of Man, must be lifted up on the cross before all men so that I could take away the poison of the serpent. <laughs> oh, y'all, look at somebody next to you and be like, that's good. Come on, tell them. Tell them. Y'all following me? What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying he has victory over Satan, who's considered the snake, right? The serpent, the devil. Jesus was saying, in the same way that they killed those serpents and raised them up, they're going to kill me too, and they're going to raise me up on a pole. Everybody say pole. How do I know what today was? See you at the what? Oh, snap. How many went to the pole today? Pole. See you at the poll. This is see you after the poll or see you at the party or whatever. Let me tell you something. Nicodemus, hear me, Nicodemus first came to him by night because he was afraid. And then Jesus tells him this incredible story. Look at me. Nicodemus comes at night because he was afraid and didn't want anybody to see that he was coming after Jesus. Just like many of you in the room who are afraid to be seen as believers. You're afraid to be seen as somebody who's following Jesus, so you come at night. You come to the church, right? It's okay to come here, but you would rather come to church than be the church. Mm. You would rather, yep, yep, come, go ahead, come to church. Here you go. You would rather come to church than be the church. C-H-U-R-C-H. 
Got it? Okay. Rather, R-A-T. Oh, no, you got it. Okay. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Some of you would rather come here at night when none of your friends friends see you. Some of you didn't go to the poll because you're afraid. Yep, you're afraid. You didn't want nobody to know that you're a Christian, right? I don't know if you all saw it, but I I was going through the gram today, and here it is. I'm going through the gram, and you see, I stop, and there's a picture of a kindergarten class at a public school at see you at the poll. <laughs> oh, yeah. Listen, listen. Kindergarten. These are six-year-olds. Or if, the, if, if it's a smarty, they're five or whatever. If they're a little, they're seven. Anyway, here's a kindergarten class. And they're all lined up. They're all lined up. I don't know, 40 or 50 of them, right? And they're all looking at each other. And they're like, you know, and they're picking their nose. And they're like picking on this one. <laughs> Here they are. 56th grader, uh, six-year-olds, praying around a school flagpole. They don't even know how to pray at a public school. And some of you who are in sixth grade or 12th grade didn't have enough guts to go to see at the poll today when a kindergartner showed you up. And so Nicodemus shows up at night. Because he was afraid. Didn't want to lose his position on the council. And Jesus tells him, what's most important, Nicodemus, is not that you try to figure out where you're going to get the power to be this, this, this great man and do the miracles that I'm doing. What's more important is that you are born again and the Holy Spirit fills you. And then he tells him that story, just like Moses lifted up the serpents so that they would have victory over the poison of those serpents. I will be lifted up one day in the same manner, and I will take away the sins of the world. Can I take you to that part of the story? Look what happens. Go go all the way to John 19. Write this down. John 19. Almost to the end of the book. It's this incredible story of what happens in this death of Christ and who shows up, okay? Who shows up there in these last few moments? If you look at the entire chapter, it's, um, it's, it's really remarkable what the crucifixion is like, how, how Jesus had to die for, for us. But I want, you to, I want you to now move forward Jesus has done all these miracles. They bring him before all the rulers, and they call him guilty, and they, all night long, they beat him. They strip his robe off from him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. You've heard the story. And they keep him up all night to weaken him. And they're spitting on him, and they're mocking him, and they've pulled out his beard, and he's barely alive. And while they're mocking him, they prepare him now to go to the cross. And so they take him on what is considered the Via Della Rosa, the way of the cross. And so they 
take him after they have beaten him all night. It's now about nine o'clock in the morning. They had beaten him all night and mocked him all night at a fake trial. And they throw him down in the midst of these people who have come to the marketplace. And they give him this cross and they say, carry this cross to Golgotha. And he begins to walk through the city, falling over from his, from his weakness and picking up the cross and moving forward, right? You know the story as he goes through this town. L- listen to me. Jesus Christ did not die on a cross privately, okay? He died on a cross publicly. Do you understand the power of that statement? And so they parade him through town, and he gets to this place called the hill, Golgotha, the place of the skull, the hill of the skull. They throw that cross in. Here he is hanging, thieves between him, one on each side. And the whole town is watching. And now it's about noon, three hours into it. People come by, they stop by, they pay their respects, they look at him, and they move on. The whole city is watching this scene, and now it's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus dies. And he says these famous words, Father, do not, for, do not, do not hold this, this sin to them. Forgive them. Don't remember this. And he says, it is finished. What was finished? He was raised up on a pole. Hello? He was raised up on a pole to take away the sting of death. And in that crowd that day was Nicodemus. I want you to look what happens. Look at uh, toward the end. Verse 38, John 19 and verse 38. After this, after Jesus was pierced and he had died, they pierced him to make sure that he was dead. Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, everybody hear me? Tell your neighbor, Joseph was a secret disciple. Okay? Okay. For fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came, look at me, he came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, you see it? And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing mixtures of myrrh and aloe and to dedicate, literally to take care of Christ. Now, follow this picture. Are you hearing me tonight? You have this man called Nicodemus, one of the greatest men in the city, who's been following Jesus and watching him his entire life for, for honestly, about 30 years, because Jesus is about 30, probably 32 or so, you know, when, when they meet, somewhere around there, is in the last year of his life. And as he watches him, he's intrigued, and so he wants to call, he wants to come closer to him. 
And he comes at night and he asks him these questions. How do you do this? I want this, I want this secret. I want to know, how do you do this? And Jesus says, you must be born again. I, I will be raised up, just like the story in the Old Testament. I'll be raised up on this cross. And by me being raised on this cross, I am dying for the sins of all mankind. That's all you need. You just need to be born again and be filled with the Spirit. And so in the next year or so, John tells the story of Nicodemus watching, watching Christ and going through all of these moments in Christ's life until Christ is at the end and he's hanging on a cross and instead of cowering in fear and staying at home, Nicodemus, along with Joseph, secret disciples, shows up in front of the entire town and says, I'm numbered with him. Let me tell you why we know that. Okay? Let me tell you why we know that. If you were to take the body of a person who was crucified in the first century, like Joseph and Nicodemus, you would be saying, that is my family. Custom in the Roman Empire is that the only people who were allowed to take down the person who was crucified was family members. And we know his family was there. Jesus, he said, you know, uh, here's John and here's Mary, right? We, we know that they were there, but they were, listen, they were hurt. They were hurting. They're, they're there. And they, they, they didn't have, so who, ha, who happens to show up? The secret disciples. Nicodemus, who came to him at night first, shows up in front of the entire city, and he says, I'm with him. And he's standing there, and they take the body of Christ off this pole, this pole, this cross, and they wrap him up, and Nicodemus and Joseph take Jesus to their own tomb that they had they were saving it for themselves. Are you following this story? Here's a man just like you and me who first comes at night but then decides this is worth it. And he shows up in front of the entire city and he claims Christ as his family. Because Jesus Christ did not die on a cross publicly for me to serve him privately. What Nicodemus was saying is what each one of us in this room need to say also. I'm with him. It doesn't matter if your team finds out. Do you know how many professional athletes there are that are believers and Christians and don't care what people think about them? Just follow the story of Deion Sanders right now. We've known he's been a believer for, for a long time, but he is front and center right now and not afraid of his faith. And yet some of you are still secret disciples. God is calling you out publicly on this day. Can I tell you the stats? Write this down. Four million. Four million. Actually, it's four plus million. The statistics that most people think um, when, you, when they look at the research, they'll publish it tomorrow. When they look at the research, the statistics say about 
Four and a half million students prayed around their school flagpoles just in America. Seven million worldwide. Four and a half million teenagers and young people, right? Elementary. Praying around their school flagpoles today. It is the largest prayer, youth prayer meeting in the history of the world every year. Because we decide that on the last weekend in September, every year we're going public. I'm with him. Hello? I'm with him. Listen, don't be Nicodemus. Don't be Joseph of Arimathea. Don't be a secret disciple. Come out of the closet. You hear me? Come to the pole. I want you to stand all across this place. Come on, stand up. All over this place. In just a moment, you're going to have a chance to go public. Okay? Stay with me. In just a moment, you are going to have a chance to go public. No secret disciples tonight. Understand? No secret disciples tonight. Jesus Christ did not die on a cross publicly for me to serve him privately. Jesus Christ died on a cross publicly for me to serve him publicly. No secret disciples tonight. I'm not asking you to come out on a Wednesday night. I'm not asking you to give your life to Christ and to worship in front of your friends on a Wednesday night. We're not asking you tonight to make a profession of faith right here. Just right, just let's just do it right here. That's not all we're asking you to do. We are asking you tonight to be a public disciple and not a secret one, not a private one. Listen, I want you to bow your heads all across this place. I grew up like many of you in this room attending church. I grew up in the church. I went to camp, convention. I, I went on missions trips. But I wasn't living the life. I wasn't even a secret disciple. I wasn't a disciple. Jesus said, if you want to follow me and be my disciple, you take up your cross daily, deny yourself, and come follow after me. Take up your cross daily, deny yourself, and follow after me. I never did that. Like too many in this room, I never did that. I mean, I remember like going to the altar, but it never, it never stayed with me. Because I was someone at church and someone totally different at high school. Here's what happened. Ninth grade. 
10th grade, 11th grade. I totally left the faith. I ran away from home. I was kicked out of two high schools. If there was a drug, I took it. I went to every party. All the stuff that happened with the parties was a part of my life. The only thing I didn't do were needles. But I tried everything else. I was, hear me, I played three sports. I was all state in one of them, all conference in two of them. And it still didn't help me. It did not bring me fulfillment. My family was well off, well to do, but it still didn't mean anything to me. It did not fulfill me. I had popularity. People knew who I was, but it brought me zero fulfillment. And for three years of my life, I walked away from the faith because hear me, the faith never became my faith. Somebody hear me? The faith never became my faith. Until the end of my junior year, May of 1980, I'm at a party. All the seniors had graduated. It was a senior party, but there were a few of us who were accepted in that, in that group. We, as a matter of fact, things didn't happen if it wasn't for me and Brandon, for sure, my best friend. And we basically started every party and finished them. And so we're at this senior party. The parents were gone. There's 70 or 80 uh, kids in this, in this house. And we're trashed. I had already finished two marijuanas. I was rolling another one. I had finished a fifth of peppermint schnapps, and I was working on another one. I was trashed. I was gone. And I'm sitting in the kitchen at a table with about seven or eight of my friends, ball hat on. And while I'm rolling my third joint, I felt the Holy Spirit come into that kitchen and I began to weep. I'm at a party, Taylor, I'm at a party. God didn't meet me at convention that time. He didn't meet me at camp that time. He didn't meet me at a see you after the poll. He didn't meet me at see you at the party. He, didn't, he met me at a party. I'm trash at the table, and I start crying. I was so convicted. I pull my ball head over. One of my friends is like, Jay, what's going on? I'm like, I'm good, I'm good. So I pushed away from the table, and I walk down the, the hallway of this house, and I open up the first door, and it's a bathroom, and there's three girls in there. There's one sitting on the counter, and she's like, ah, hair stringing down over her face. And there's two girls at the toilet. One of them is puking. The other one's holding her hair back. And I slam the door and I walk out. And I walk back down the aisle and I, or the, that, that uh, hallway and I open up another door and I look in and I'm like, ooh. And I shut the door and I'm like, get a room. I mean, lock the room. And I walk out to the backyard and they're all over the backyard in the, in the deck and they're trash. And they're playing beer games in the garage. And I walk through the garage and I walk down the sidewalk of this party. Everybody, hey, Jay, what's going on? I'm like, yeah, whatever. And I'm crying. Listen to me. I'm ball. I, I am like I'm at an altar and God is wrecking me. And he met me at a party. No band, no preacher, no lights. Well, there were lights. They were spinning in my head. But 
And I walked down that, aisle, that, that, that driveway and I get in my car and I sat in my car almost an hour because I knew I couldn't drive. Hear me, I knew I couldn't drive. And I put my hands on the steering wheel. I sat in that car that night, May 1980, end of my junior year, and I said these words. I said, God, if this is you, I give you my life and I won't take it back. I don't know where that came from. I'd never heard that before. You know what I've always heard? God, I give you my life. God, here's my life. But I had never prayed, God, if this is you, I give you my life and I won't take it back. That's exactly what I said. I'm going to lead you in this room like I have led thousands and thousands and thousands of teenagers in this prayer because it works for me. I want you to know from that night, that Saturday night, May 1980, when I gave my life to Christ in that car alone, my life was never the same again. I never drank. I never smoked. All the stuff that came at the parties, not until I got married. I never cussed again. Look at me. All y'all athletes in the room, y'all know what I'm talking about. I never cussed again since May of 1980. My wife will tell you, I have never cussed again since that moment. God changed my life because I prayed a simple prayer. God, I give you my life and I won't take it back. Because what we do is we give God our life and then we take it back Thursday. We take it back Monday. We take it back on the team because we don't, we don't want nobody to know that we're, that we're, we're coming out. We're public. But here's what I'm going to do. If you're in this room tonight and you have committed your life to Jesus Christ, listen to me. You have committed your life to Jesus Christ and you are serving him right now with all of your heart. I want you to come down to the front of this place right now. Only, only those of you, if you are serving God with all of your heart, come on right now. Come on. Only you can answer that. I'm not asking all of you. I'm asking for those of you who can say, I am serving God with my whole heart. I want you to come. And I want you to turn around and face your friends. Face your friends. Now listen to me. These are the kids in this room that believe that their life was changed by God. Am I telling the truth? All y'all here on my, on my right, you kids right here, are you telling me that God changed your life? Yes. And you're serving him right now? Yes. Middle, you're saying the same thing. Great. Listen, the rest of you, we want to pray for you. Maybe you've never seen an altar call like this before. Where we call the people forward who are serving God, right? Listen, Look at all your friends. These are all the Nicodemuses of the world or, or, or the Nicoles of the world. <laughs> These are all the young people in this room who are saying, I'm with him. I'm with him. And if you want to join, listen to me. If you want freedom from the sin in your life, from the snake bite of sin in your life, all you have to do tonight is to do what I did and what these students have done right here. 
is to simply say, God, if this is you, I give you my life and I won't take it back. I give you my life and I won't take it back. I'm with you. If that's you and you want to do that tonight, I want you to come right now. Come up to one of these students right now and they're gonna pray for you. Come on, come on right now. Yes. Just say, would you pray for me? Come on, step out right where you're at right now. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. He can handle anything. Wind came. Come on. But my heart was 